Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question. I feel like our Monday show could have gone better. Are you feeling obligated to do better tonight? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm always looking for areas to improve anyway. Um, Yeah. You know, we'll try to do a little bit better. Still playing a road game out in San Diego, but, you know. Let's hope that the audio holds up all right. We can put together a good show here. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had a couple beers. It's kind of late on Wednesday night. We're going for some sweet uh, BC Podcast ACC action after dark tonight. So uh, hopefully this is a, a pretty fun show for all the folks. Uh, we're previewing week seven here. It's it's a bit of a different slate from week six. Um just some interesting matchups kind of in a lot of different ways, I think is fair to say. Not not maybe the, the quite the top-end matchups that we saw last weekend, but let's go ahead and get started, Mike. We're going to start on a Friday night, uh, not the headliner of the weekend, but the first one. So those that might be listening a little earlier, uh, in case you're going to miss out, here's Friday night, number two, Clemson, a 22-and-a-half-point road favorite in the Carrier Dome against the Syracuse Orange at 7 p.m. on, on ESPN. Again, this is on Friday night. Um, Mike, the Tigers come off a 14-point win over Wake Forest. Uh, they lost Kelly Bryant to an injury that didn't look terrible. Um, I think the hope is that he's able to play in this game. Um, hopefully the, the Tigers are able to manage through this one. But I think that the thing that came out of the Wake Forest game for me is that Clemson is not really in the habit of just totally blowing the doors off of teams that it should. Um, I, I look at some of the teams that it has blown out recently, and like one of the games that comes to mind is Louisville. Louisville's one of the teams that a lot of people would say they probably shouldn't have blown the doors off, and they did. And then there's teams like Wake Forest and maybe even Syracuse that they should blow the doors off of, and they don't. Uh, 22 and a half is kind of a lot of points here. What are your thoughts on this game? Is, is Clemson going to cover 22 and a half here? I think I, the thing about this whole game, Joey, and you know, we've talked about this a little bit is like with Clemson, they've had a lot of trouble covering spreads. I mean, that's an issue that they've had for the last few weeks. I mean, they were able to cover against Virginia tech, but prior to that, you know, they've kind of been up and down covering spreads this year. I don't know. I, you know, Syracuse, they throw the football well. They don't run it great, but they run it well enough to keep defenses off balance. Um, their defense, of course, is not quite as good. I, I think, de- you know, Syracuse's defense, you know, I think they're going to have trouble matching up with all the Clemson playmakers that are on the field. Um, you know, Kelly Bryant looks like he's going to play and looks like he's going to be healthy in this football game. 
I'm honestly very concerned about Syracuse's run defense because I think this is a game where, you know, a guy like C.J. Fuller or Tavian Feaster or Travis Etienne, you know, I think one of those three or two of those three, you know, could kind of get theirs in this game. And, you know, I think at that point in time, Syracuse will be in a lot of trouble. And the thing about this is that Syracuse's passing offense, though, is so good that I think they'll throw enough to keep them in it. But like many teams that Clemson has played this year, uh, you know, I'm starting to wonder, is Syracuse's offensive line good enough up front to block a team, you know, like Clemson? I'm not sure that they are. Um, Clemson's front seven is so good. Their defensive line is so good. I'm just having trouble imagining a scenario where, you know, Syracuse's offensive line can protect well enough to keep their offense in the game and to keep Eric Dungy upright. I know you're an Eric Dungy truther. We want to see him play well, but this is not a great spot. I, you know, it's a short week for Clemson, so I think in that sense, Syracuse benefits. But overall, this is just a very tough matchup for the Orange and. Uh, you know, a team that's looking for that one big upset this year that they haven't really had yet. It's tough to see it happening against a team like Clemson, who's really just been coasting ever since that Virginia Tech win. Um, you, you know, they looked pretty good last week against Wake Forest. They jumped out to a huge lead early and just kind of cruised. And a lot of the games that Clemson has played in this year when they haven't been big games, they've kind of shown the propensity to just coast along and cruise right along. And then you know, turn on the Jets when they need to and blow teams out. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen here against Syracuse on Friday night. So you're taking Clemson to cover? I'm taking Clemson to cover barely. Okay. So, by the way, just to make sure that we're, we're clear, you, and I want to make sure, you're referring to future ACC Player of the Year, Eric Dungy, when you talk about the Syracuse quarterback situation, right? <laughs> Yeah, my man can't make it on award, you know, award watch list halfway through the year anymore. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, we can refer to him as the future ACC player of the year, I guess, if, you know, I, I think there are a number of players who would have something to say about that. But, yeah, sure. Okay, just making sure. All right. Um, so, I, Mike, I struggle with this game. So, you talk about Kelly Bryant. He's going to play in this game. Um, you said that he's healthy. I think healthy is relative. Um I think he's probably healthy to the point that he can play, but probably not 100%, you know, coming off of a, a, an injury last weekend. But at the same time, again, I, I, I can't get over the fact that you haven't seen a whole lot of Clemson beating, you know, these, these lower-tier ACC teams like 49-10 to 10 or something like that. 22.5 is a lot of points here. I think Clemson wins this game comfortably, but I'm going to take Syracuse to cover. Um, I... I feel like this is a little dangerous because Clemson has the athletes to rip off a few big plays here and there. And next thing you know, they win this game by six touchdowns, like without even breaking a sweat, they're capable of that. And I think their defense is also capable of giving Syracuse a whole lot of problems. Um, but I'm going to take Clemson to win. This is a weird spot on a Friday night in the carrier dome, a, a subtly tough place to play at times. Give me Clemson to win this game like 35-17. I think it's a comfortable win, maybe a bit of a backdoor cover situation for Syracuse, but I do think that the orange cover here, um, I I should point out, Mike, first of all, my picks have been absolute garbage lately, so 
you, you, people are probably going to be better off listening to your picks than mine. So uh, just just keep that in mind as we go. Fair enough. <laughs> you, you'll take that. That's I'll take it. Hey, man, it's. Uh... I wish my uh, my bankroll could say the same, but yeah, let's go with that. That's cool. <laughs> Fair. Uh, moving on, Mike, to probably the main event of the weekend in the ACC. Uh, at 3.30 p.m. on ABC on Saturday, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, a five-and-a-half-point underdog at the number 11 Miami Hurricanes. Um, Mike, Miami coming off a huge win over Florida State. They break the curse. First win in, you know, they, they had broke a seven-game losing streak there. Uh, they lose Mark Walton, but Miami looks to be firmly in control of their own destiny in the ACC Coastal. I have opinions on this game, but I want to get your thoughts first. This is a bit of a weird spot for Miami a week after a game against Florida State. I, uh... I actually like Georgia Tech here, um, I, and here's why. You know, Miami doesn't have Mark Walton anymore at running back, and Malik Rozier was extremely underwhelming at quarterback last week for, I'd say, probably two and a half quarters of that football game. And Miami fans don't want to remember that because they had, you know, such an emotional win against the Florida State team they hadn't beaten in seven years. But it's important to remember that they were in a pretty precarious spot offensively for a good portion of that game last Saturday. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not going to let him forget that. I think that Georgia Tech's defense, you know, a lot of people want to point to that game against Tennessee and say, well, this defense, I mean, look, they, they couldn't stop a nosebleed in the opener. Yeah, well, NC State lost to South Carolina in the opener. Look how good NC State is now. Georgia Tech's offense has improved every week. Um, they've done a great job. Um up front, first of all, blocking. I think Cravante Benson has turned to an invaluable playmaker for them. Taquan Marshall continues to get better as well. Uh, with Miami, I'm still kind of interested in what they are as a team from top to bottom. Um, Florida State's been underwhelming this year. It, it took a late score to pull off a win against them last week. Uh, Miami won convincingly against a Duke team that you know hasn't looked quite as good, I think, as a lot of people thought they were after the first month of the year when they went 4-0. You know, Miami struggled. They fell down early to Toledo in the second game of the year. They were underwhelming in the opener against Bethune-Cookman a few weeks before that, before all the hurricane issues happened there in South Florida. So there's a lot of question marks going on right now with that Miami team. And there are question marks across the board that not a lot of people want to point to because everybody wants Miami to be back so desperately. But there are a lot more questions and answers now, especially with Mark Walton now at the fold at running back. Primarily for me, how good is Malik Rozier going to be without a steady running game? I haven't seen enough from him yet to suggest that, you know, for four quarters, he can put together a dominant passing performance and really take over a game by himself. Sure, he looked good against Florida State in the second half of that game last week, but think about how poorly he threw the football in that first half. And, uh, you know, Miami was really struggling to put drives together. And I wonder if Miami's going to be able to put drives together now without their best offensive player for the rest of the season. And that's what I'm concerned about if I'm a Miami fan. The positives for Miami, you know, obviously are all about the defense. Defense has done a fantastic job this year. They got a great front seven and the secondary has played really well. But it goes back to the caliber of opponents they've played. How good is Miami really at this point in time? Offensively, they played a good a good passing team in Toledo. I write the Bethune-Cookman game off because it is Bethune-Cookman, but they did struggle in the first half of that football game. 
you know, Miami put together a stellar performance against a Duke offense that has consistently regressed week after week since the opening four games. And then I think about it a little bit more, and you look at the game just last week, you know, Florida State's offense is nothing to write home about either without DeAndre Francois. You know, at quarterback, James Blackman is still getting broken in, and Florida State has their own issues on offense right now, so how much stock can we put into a solid defensive performance last week by Miami? I'm not really sure. And, you know, to be honest with you, look at the last quarter of that game. Miami gave up a late touchdown to Florida State that, you know, you and I thought when we were texting back and forth might be the nail in the coffin for Miami in that game. And, you know, they made a, they put a good drive together there in the final two minutes to ultimately win the football game. So, you could take it a number of different directions with Miami, but bottom line is I think there are more questions than answers. And I think those questions are going to continue to manifest themselves here, especially now with Mark Walton no longer in the fold. So I actually like Georgia Tech to win this football game this weekend. I think there are more answers to Georgia Tech. There there are less questions for sure. And I like their offense. I like their running game. And I think they're going to have enough defense to slow down Miami, especially in their first game without Mark Walton. This is a tough spot for the Hurricanes. So I like Georgia Tech. Interesting. Last year, Mark Walton had 209 carries uh, out of 435 in total for Miami. So close to 50%. Again, this year he had 56 total out of 124 so far. Mark Walton has carried so much of the load for this Miami offense in general, um, especially in this transition from Brad Kaya to Malik Rozier at quarterback. Uh, Mark Walton was the, the beacon of consistency from year to year. He was the guy they could lean on. He was the, the first-team All-ACC, you know, preseason All-ACC running back coming into the year. He is a remarkably talented player uh, that was such a cornerstone of what Miami's been doing on offense uh, they, they've transitioned now to Travis Homer, who finished last year with seven carries. He's had 25 carries so far this year. So all in all in college, he's had a grand total of 32 carries, and, and he's now the bell cow back for Miami in a team that likes to and kind of needs to lean on the run in a lot of cases. Uh, not to mention now that they come off of this big, huge, emotional program-changing win over – not program-changing is relative, but – you know, a, a huge monumental win over a, a the arch rival Florida State last week. Um, a huge possible letdown spot. Playing a Georgia Tech team that is a, a funky offense has looked pretty good all all of this year. Um, and there's just so much that that just feels wrong about this game for Miami. So, Mike, I'm taking Miami to win this game. Ah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm take. I, I'll take Georgia Tech to cover. I think it's close. Give me like 31-27 Miami. I think it's inside of the five and a half point spread, but I think Miami wins this game. Paul Johnson has never won this game in Coral Gables. Um, they've got some offensive line potential depth issues. I think especially Miami's defense is going to be by far the best unit that Georgia Tech has played so far this year. I think that's going to cause them some problems. Um. I question if Georgia Tech's defense is going to be able to stick with uh, Miami's offense in the way that they have against Jacksonville State, Pitt, and North Carolina. Even with Travis Homer as the bell cow back, I think Malik Rozier is going to be able to throw the ball to a certain degree. I, In general, I just can't approach this Georgia Tech-Miami game with any sense of confidence 
that they will pull off the win until I actually see them do it in Miami. So I'm kind of in show-me mode right now, as I have gotten with several teams over the last year or so. Georgia Tech needs to show me that they can win in Miami before I really trust them to do it. So give me Georgia Tech to cover, but I think Miami wins this game outright, maybe in an escape style. It could be like a late, you know, uh, a scoring a late touchdown to win this game, but I, I, I won't trust Georgia Tech to win this game until I see them do it. So give me Georgia Tech to cover, uh, but Miami to win outright. Maybe I'm a super pessimistic fan for that. So what you're telling me is Saturday morning you're betting Georgia Tech on the money line, right? Uh, we'll see what the odds get to. We'll see. <laughs> Why not, right? Why not? Why not? I mean, you know, might be worth throwing a couple bucks on. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I I'm just Mike. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty burnout Atlanta sports fan at this point. I I'm just expecting disappointment, and so I need someone to prove to me that I can believe in my teams again and. You know, I don't know. The next time it happens will be the first time. So, uh, woe is me. Uh, I think Georgia Tech loses this game in heartbreaking fashion. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by the outcome. Uh, Time will tell. Anything else before we move on? No, I think I'm good. All right. Moving on, we're going to back up to noon on ESPN2 as the Florida State Seminoles, an eight-point road favorite in Durham against the Duke Blue Devils. Mike, this is a weird, weird game. Florida State still trying to exercise their demons that they have been fighting off this entire year so far. Um, They come off of a rough rough loss, excuse me, uh, against Miami. Uh, they they previously had a rough loss against NC State, and before that they had a rough loss to Alabama. Their only win so far has been an ugly win over uh, Wake Forest. Florida State needs to get something, anything at all going, specifically on offense. Uh, James Blackman has been very inconsistent, specifically over the last two games, I think. We've started to see see some signs of improvement, but there is definitely still a major lack of consistency in his game. Uh, There are times where he makes some pretty unbelievable throws. There are times where he also makes some also unbelievable throws, but for completely different reasons. Um, He is very, very hot and cold. Um, He is either exceptional or he is pretty terrible. I, I, I think... I said this last week, or two weeks ago, I think, against Wake Forest. I think Florida State gets it going here. Duke has been fading over the last few weeks, especially what we've seen from Daniel Jones. He's been bad, and I think this gets only worse against a Florida State defense that should be ready to uh, exercise some frustration in this game. Is there a reason I shouldn't like the Seminoles to just, like, run away with this thing? Uh yeah, this is tough here, Joey, because I think the market overall is just going to be off of Duke. Um, not to say they'll be in on Florida State, but I think so many people are off of Duke just because of how they've played the last couple of weeks. That's why I think that Duke is probably a good value here from a betting perspective to cover an eight-point spread. But ultimately, I don't think they do it. I think Florida State's front seven will be way too much for a Duke offensive line that's really struggled. They've, like, as you mentioned, they've struggled to keep Daniel Jones upright, and that's been a huge factor in the fact that they've just kind of deteriorated offensively over the last couple of weeks and taken a lot of steps back. 
Daniel Jones' completion percentage has clearly regressed. Their running game, they keep kind of going away from it, but when they run the ball, it's going okay. I just feel like the play calling has kind of been, uh, you know, somewhat of a roller coaster ride as well over the last few weeks. I think the defense for Duke is good enough to keep them in the game, especially against an offense here with James Blackman, a quarterback that, you know, really hasn't clicked at all for Florida State yet. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure when it will, and I think that's the biggest factor here when considering whether or not to pick Florida State to cover the spread. But, you know, I think Daniel Jones is not really playing that well right now, and a reason why is because of that offensive line. I think the Seminoles will get will be able to generate enough pressure on Jones that he'll have trouble throwing the football again on Saturday against the Seminoles. And because of that, I'm going to take Florida State to cover barely on an eight-point spread. And the reason why I think that they do it is because I think they're going to be able to find a way to carve out some points defensively that'll really change the game. And that doesn't necessarily mean they force a turnover, but maybe they just flip the field with you know, maybe a big time sack or, um, you know, something of that nature to really pin Duke deep. And, you know, if they're able to flip field position a couple times, I think Florida State's offense with James Blackman at this point in the year is good enough to manufacture enough points to cover an eight point spread. So give me Florida State here. I think they cover, but barely. I think that's fair. Um, you're right that a lot of Duke's issues, especially on offense, have come from their offensive line struggling to protect Daniel Jones. They're now going to go up against a Florida State defensive line that I think probably the biggest wild card in this game is how Florida State comes out. Do they come out sluggish and, and dragging after a rough loss again last week to a, a rival in Miami? Is this a letdown game? Or do they come out pretty pissed off, ready to prove a point, You know, saying, look, we're better than this. You know, We've got to get right here. And trying to make a statement. If it's if it's the latter, I think Daniel Jones is is in for a day and and a bad day at that. Um, I think he might just have the Florida State defensive line in his lap the entire game. Uh, the secondary is going to be all over his receivers. I, I don't really trust Duke to to have a whole lot of success on offense if Florida State comes out really pissed off on defense. Now, if they're really dragging on defense. All bets are off the table, Mike, and I don't know who comes away with the win in this game. This this could get really weird really quick. I'm going to trust Florida State, though. Um, maybe they come out with the, the uh, what previously has been the Miami hangover after losing the Florida State-Miami game in the last several years. That's always a possibility, but, man, Florida State has to be so motivated to get anything going right now. I'd like to think that Florida State's going to come out and, and just kind of kill Duke here. Um, this might not be all that close. I'm going to take Florida State to cover eight. Uh, let's go Florida State like 27-13. Um, maybe not a very high-scoring game. The total is 43-and-a-half. I'd probably leave that alone because it could kind of go either direction from there. But, yeah, I, I feel pretty good that Florida State covers here. Single digits, even on the road even coming off of a, a, a monumental rival game loss, like Seminoles, like you've got to, you've got to be better than that. Like, come on, just, just get it done. It's going to be so tight though. I, I think that eight point spread is just about right. I mean, that's a very tricky line. I could see it going either direction for sure. Yeah. I don't feel great uh, about that one in particular. 
Um, I don't know. Time will tell. Mike, let's move on. Uh, 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network. Virginia is traveling and taking on North Carolina. Who's favored in this game, Mike? Why are you doing this to me, Joey? Mike, who is a road favorite in this game? Virginia is a three-point road favorite. Oh, do you pick the home dog, Joey? What a time to be alive. Virginia, a three-point road favorite in a division game. Uh, so just let that sink in for a minute. Um, and yet, Mike, I might actually take the Cavaliers to cover here. Um, North Carolina is so beat up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think that right now their number one receiver was like the number eight receiver on last year's team. Um, it's not pretty. Uh, Chaz Surratt going through some growing pains, also not getting a ton of help from the guys around him. Virginia's defense in particular has just been completely um, a, a menace and just harassed opposing quarterbacks the last couple games they've played. I don't really trust North Carolina to take care of Chaz Surratt at the moment. Um, I think they're going to force a couple freshman moments, Micah Kaiser and, and guys like uh, Jordan Whitehead, or excuse me, not Jordan Whitehead, Quinn Blanding might have a, a big game. I get my uh, Coastal Division safeties confused sometimes, Mike. Yeah, me um, too. It's it's a tough burden. Hey, Wednesday night beers happen. It's whatever. Fine. Um, that's that's for damn sure. I, I also don't trust North Carolina to really stifle Kurt Benkert and what he's done in that passing game for Virginia the last couple weeks. I don't know if Virginia can be efficient on offense. I think they can break off enough big plays. Um, yeah, give me the who's to cover three on the road. Um, I. I I hope this isn't written on my headstone one day because, my goodness, that is – it feels weird to take Virginia to cover as a road favorite. I don't I don't know. I don't feel great about it. What do you think, Mike? That's a really good pick. And you know why Virginia is going to win and cover? It's because of that defense. I think their defense forces a couple freshman mistakes, like you mentioned, from Chas Surratt. I, I like Virginia in this football game. And it's not because their offense is going to blow you away, but I think their defense is going to do enough. And I like the way they're running the football right now. Jordan Ellis is having a pretty solid year. He's been really, really good the last month or so for Virginia's running game. I, I like the Cavaliers. They're, they're very balanced on offense right now. I think Kurt Benkert's doing a great job leading that offense. And I think they're playing complementary football right now under Bronco Mendenhall, which is, you know, obviously what they envisioned when they hire him, hired him. But... You know, when you consider the fact that Virginia was 2-10 and 10 last year, it's pretty hard to believe they're sitting here with four wins already, and we're talking about them going for a fifth year this weekend, you know, coming one win away from bowl eligibility halfway through the season. But that's where Virginia's at right now, and I do like them to win and cover on the road this weekend against North Carolina, a team that's very beat up, like you mentioned, and doesn't really have much going for it at all. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Things are going a little quicker than we expected for Bronco Hall at Virginia. Um, I, you know, I don't know, to me, I don't know if this is so much picking for Virginia or against North Carolina, maybe a little bit of both, but yeah, uh, give us both Virginia to cover on the road against North Carolina. I'm going to take Virginia 28, 17, 28, 17. So not even really all that close to the three point spread. You know, I hate picking scores, but. I want to bring this up real quick. Can you imagine if we go back about a month and a half when we were doing the preseason predictions, if we sat here and said, yeah, 
Virginia is definitely going to be better than Duke, and they're going to be favored in a game in mid-October. I said Duke. I meant North Carolina. Sorry. But they beat Same Duke, thing, too. Right? So. Still applies. Still applies. Um, Virginia is going to be favored against North Carolina in mid-October. We would, I mean, you would have told me I was crazy if I had told you that about a month and a half ago. And we thought North Carolina was going to be down a bit this year, but I don't think either of us thought that they'd be in a situation where they're going to be a home road or a home dog against a team like Virginia, who went two and ten last year. It's crazy how things have turned already here six weeks in a year. Uh, Mike, to paraphrase a, a, a movie that I, I really enjoy, uh, strange things are amiss in the Coastal Division right now. Um, that's that's of course a. a play on the quote strange things are amiss at the circle k from bill and ted's excellent adventure go watch that movie you haven't watched it moving on mike number 20 nc state a 13 point road favorite against the pittsburgh panthers at noon on the acc network Pitt really hasn't done a whole lot in conference play so far do they start now mike or no. is nc state going to be a, a a bit of an inopportune time to really try to get something going nc state rolls them in this one but I think Pittsburgh might have an opportunity for a little bit of a backdoor cover. But NC State's a much better football team. They win this thing comfortably. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this, except that NC State's played great football over the last few weeks. Pittsburgh has not. They're a bad football team right now. NC State just keeps getting better. Offensively, they're playing well. Their defense has been fantastic. I, I like NC State to win this game and to cover against Pittsburgh. I just... I don't like where the Panthers are at right now at all. Over under 375 and a half passing yards for Ryan Finley in this game. Under, but barely. Ooh. Barely. Interesting. Okay. Surprise pick there. You weren't expecting that, were you? I was not expecting that. Uh, I would probably take the over on that. I think Ryan Finley might absolutely torch this Pittsburgh secondary, which has been a problem since last year and really has not shown a whole lot of signs of improvement. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I have no reason to like Pittsburgh in this game, even, even at home, um, NC state kind of rolling. Now this could be a bit of a letdown. Could, could be a bit of a letdown. NC state coming off a big win over Louisville at home on a Thursday night. You know, they've, they've now beaten Louisville and Florida state and look to be, you know, firmly in position to be the second best team in the Atlantic come season's end. Um, and as such, you know, maybe stuff starts to get to their head. They get a little unfocused, and maybe this is a little bit of a, a squeaker more so than intended. But, I mean, NC State's offense should roll here by a lot. Uh, NC State's defense should give Pittsburgh all sorts of problems. Even with what we've seen from Max Brown recently, he's been a little bit better throwing the ball. But, like, I, I just – I mean, NC State is, is going to harass him all day in the pocket – I don't see him having a whole lot of luck uh, really just standing back there and, and dicing up whatever uh, whatever issues NC State might have in the secondary. So, I don't know. Maybe a letdown game. Maybe we're wrong, Mike. But I'm with you. Give me NC State to cover here. I don't think this is particularly close. This is like 38-20. to 20. I think this is a kind of a blowout for NC State. Yeah. Uh, big win. I wish I had more to say about this game, but NC State's just playing such good football and Pittsburgh's just not. So I just really don't have anything else to add other than I just think NC State's in a really good spot right now. And I think this is an opportunity for them to continue to 
keep the ball rolling on offense. It's been great. Totally fair. Last game, Mike. Boston College, a 19-and-a-half-point road underdog in Louisville, Kentucky, against Mike Cardinals at 12.20 p.m. on the ACC Network. I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird place with Louisville here, Mike. Um, the Cardinals, I think, have high potential. They have some pretty critical flaws. Things aren't really going well so far uh, in the last you know, few games. They're, they're struggling, in particular coming off a loss against NC State. They got uh, blown out a few weeks before that against Clemson. I look at last year's game, though, and, and with – you know, with Lamar Jackson leading the way, Louisville won this game 52-7 to in Chestnut Hill. I worry that I might put a little too much emphasis on that. I mean, I think that might have been a bit of a perfect storm of circumstances. I'm going to take Boston College to cover this game barely, not by a lot. I think this is like a 17-point win for Louisville, but I think that they're able to cover 19 and a half. I want you to keep an eye on Twitter, too, because there's some chance that I'm going to come back and say, this is a really dumb pick, and I'm going to go renege on this and, and decide I want to take Louisville. But for now, let's go Boston College plus 19.5. I think Louisville wins this game uh, 34-17. 34-17. Well, are we just, we're just going to agree on everything tonight, aren't we? We disagreed on the first couple. It's I'll give really you that. about it really about it i like that pick i like that pick i like bc here um to cover as well uh think about louisville's offense and you know maybe we've fallen into this trap as well and you know we're as guilty as a lot of other people are but i think we think of lamar jackson we think about the louisville offense at times as being an offense that is every bit as explosive as it was last year and i simply don't think that's the case um you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, is as good as he's ever been. His offensive line is as bad as it's ever been, and the skill position players aren't as talented as they were a year ago. Boston College's offense is not good at all. Louisville's defense is good enough in this game to keep BC under wraps. The thing I kind of struggle with in this football game is, and I watched this a week ago, with Virginia Tech against BC is that BC has a tendency to bend but don't break. All bets are off when you play a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's explosive in his own right. But if you keep him relatively contained, this Louisville Cardinals offense becomes a lot less explosive. And that leads to less blowouts. And I could kind of envision a scenario here where, you know, BC plays well enough defensively to keep this thing within, you know, almost three scores as it stands right now on Wednesday night as we're recording. Um, BC has a tendency to ugly games up, and that's kind of what they did against Tech last last weekend in Chestnut Hill. They did it against Clemson the week before that as well. Exactly. Um, that's just kind of what they have a tendency to do. And because the track record's there, and more important, it's there pretty recently, like with it, like a few few different times within the last month against more explosive offenses, in my opinion. I mean, I think Louisville, obviously Lamar Jackson is the greater equalizer quarterback, right? Um, he can tear teams apart by himself. But I think Virginia Tech's offense as a whole is more talented across the board than Louisville's is, but Louisville has Lamar Jackson. 
who's a complete game breaker. So he can change the game. Virginia Tech doesn't have that on offense, short of maybe Cam Phillips. So I liken it to that game a lot as far as the offenses are concerned. And Virginia Tech, I saw how they struggled against BC and how BC kind of uglied it up. So long story short, I think BC keeps it within three scores and covers. Louisville wins this thing comfortably. They're the much better football team, even though they've had, you know, a down week against NC State they're coming off of. I think Louisville wants to come back and, and make a statement. But I think BC's defense is good enough to keep them in the game and keep it relatively respectable. Maybe they lose by two touchdowns still, but I think they'll be within 19 and a half. I'd be very surprised if Lamar Jackson, that offense, was able to blow BC out in this football game. Unless there's a defensive score or something like that that throws everything, you know, throws a wrench in that whole thing. But yeah, give me BC to cover here. If you look at it, Mike, uh, Boston College's defense is is pretty similar in ranking in the S&P Plus defense-wise to both NC State and Purdue, who both have given Louisville some issues on defense so far this year. Uh, however, I think the big difference here is that both NC State and Purdue rank a whole lot better against the run than does Boston College. Boston College struggles against the run, both in terms of efficiency and explosiveness. They're willing to give up big plays, and they they aren't particularly stifling on a play-to-play basis either. So... Maybe we're being led a little bit astray here uh, by some predictions. There's there's a chance that, you know, Lamar Jackson and, and that offense can break off some big plays here and there. And uh, and that's where Boston College's undoing will be. But Louisville just – like, you're right. Louisville does not look like the same team this year. And there's a lot of different angles you can look at it from, and it's it all kind of leads back to that same conclusion. So – I think they're getting a little bit too much credit here. I think Boston College uglies it up. There might be a bit of a backdoor cover scenario in play here, but I'm with you. Give me uh, Boston College to cover in this game. And I think we said, what was it, 34-17? Or 38-20 or something like that? Yeah, it's kind of close to 19.5. Keep it relatively close. But Boston College just barely covers, so let's go there. Mike, anything else before we move on to the ACC pick of the week? Now nah, let's do it. You're a lot more excited about this, as you should be. Uh, I'm rolling right now, buddy. Rolling. Yeah, that's a really good word to describe it. You're currently six and one on the year in ACC picks of the week. I am currently two and five. This is like a total reversal of fortunes from what this was this time last year, where I agree. I think I started out like five or six and zero, oh, and then like you know, kind of came back down to earth towards the end of the year and. Here you are at six and one, you know, almost impenetrable. Uh, so, I will start this week. You started last week. Um, I now again, I'm two and five this year, so take this with a, a bit of a grain of salt, uh, Mike. I'm gonna ride again with Florida State to cover eight. Um, I mm, man, there's one other pick on the board that I'm a little tempted to go to. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to say Florida State covers eight against Duke, um, but I want to reserve the right to come back and revise to a different pick once you have. I, first of all, I'll say, again, I think Florida State's defense is going to give Daniel Jones some enormous issues in this game. Uh, I think that James Blackman is going to continue to progress a little bit, and, and Florida State's skill players are just going to be too much for Duke's defense to handle. Give me the Seminoles to cover eight. Uh, in Durham against Duke. Mike, where are you going with your pick of the week? Because I might want to come back and revise that here in just a moment. 
I'm going to go with NC State minus 13 against Pittsburgh. Ooh. Um, now, that is second to, well, it's first, I guess, but the second one that I would take a look at is actually Virginia as a three-point favorite against North Carolina, even oh, on the man. road. I'm a little bit tempted by that game as well. I actually think Virginia is probably four or five points better than North Carolina in that football game. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's become a thing now. Um, but my official pick is NC State, uh, minus 13 against Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh might have enough offense to keep it within two scores, but ultimately I, I like the um, I like the Wolfpack here. It's just, I don't know, it's such a hard pick. I think that it is a letdown spot for NC State. I can definitely see that, but... Pittsburgh's been so bad. They've been so bad on defense, and Ryan Finley has been so good offensively for them at the quarterback position. I like the Wolfpack and their opportunity here against Pittsburgh, so I'm going to take them minus 13. All right, Mike. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right now. I'm going to throw a second pick of the week at you, and I want you to tell me which one is my pick of the week. So I've started with Florida State minus 8 against Duke. My second pick of the week is NC State against Pittsburgh going over 56 points. That seems like a little bit of a low total. Pitt has had some semblance of success on offense, not to mention there could be some garbage time in this game. NC State, I think, very well might just absolutely torch the Pittsburgh defense. I'm looking at these point totals, first of all, and the fact that none of them is above 60 is, is just feels really low to me. Um, I realize that the ACC in 2017 is more of a defensively focused league, um, but 56 in this game, I think, feels a little low. There's also the chance that NC State might just totally boat race Pittsburgh here and go up, you know, like 45 to 20 or something like that. Um so your thoughts on Florida State minus eight or NC State Pittsburgh over fifty six? I'd be careful with that fifty six point line. I'd be careful there. Really? Reason why, at least in the way that I look at it, is Pittsburgh as an offense has been so hit or miss. I agree with your sentiment about their explosiveness and how they've shown signs that they might be the offense that they were a year ago. But then I remember they're shuffling quarterbacks like a deck of cards right now. It's, you know, it's, it's Max Brown. It's, you know, Ben DiNucci. It's that kid. They just burned the red shirt off of God. Can't remember his name right now. Third yeah, we'll look it up eventually. Yeah. Right. Uh, he'll be playing at some point. Right. Um, but they don't know who's playing quarterback. Jordan Whitehead's been the leading rusher three straight weeks off of like five total carries in the across those three games. They have no running game right now. And NC State has done a pretty good job stopping the run this year. So if they keep Pittsburgh under 10 or 15 points and NC State just kind of goes into cruise control, I think that could stay under 56. So if you're picking between those two games, I think I would take Florida State minus eight because I think the upside is there with what they can do defensively to Duke and Daniel Jones in that offensive line, and then all the skilled players that James Blackman has at his disposal on offense. Plus, we've started to see some signs of James Blackman making those types of big-time throws. We saw it against Miami last week, especially in the second half. He might be starting to figure things out a little bit. He still has some inconsistency issues, but if he gets those ironed out, I think the sky's the limit for him, you know, as you know, signified by his four to five star status across the board as a recruit coming out of high school. So 
yeah, I, I think the safer pick is probably taking Florida State minus eight. I'd just be concerned about Pittsburgh because of their lack of a running game. They're going up against a good rushing defense, and I think if they play musical chairs at quarterback, I think all bets are off as far as how many points they'll score. And I could see NC State kind of getting way up and then kind of sitting on the ball and making this kind of an ugly football game. I'll take it. Okay, Florida State minus eight is the pick. I like your logic there, Mike. Um, and now Duke's going to like win this game outright because good things don't have to my picks. So, uh, again, I got Florida State minus eight. You got NC State covering 13 on the road at Pittsburgh. Those are our picks of the week. Mike, do you have anything else before we get out of here? think I'm good, Joey. Should be a fun week seven in the ACC. Um, the weeks where you have the lowest expectations are usually the weeks that end up being the, the most ridiculous and fun. So Stuff will get weird. Stuff will... Be sure to get weird, as it always does. God, Duke is going to beat Florida State, aren't they? Maybe. Uh, uh, Probably. I'm two and five in picks of the week, heading for two and six. So let's just go against everything we just said in this preview. <laughs> yeah. Particularly whatever I said. Apparently, that's not really going great this year. So uh, proceed with caution. Um, Mike, this has been fun. Uh, we're going to go watch these games and come back and recap them uh, probably sometime on Sunday, maybe Monday. Who knows? Time will tell. Uh, in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, send us feedback and thoughts and questions and concerns and all those good stuff. Uh, you can come find us on the iTunes, on the Google Plays, on the SoundClouds, on the Overcast apps, on the various podcast outlets. Uh, not Spotify, not Overcast. Uh, there's probably other places that you can't find us too, but you should probably check there first. Hit the subscribe button, review and rate and do all those great things. We really, really would appreciate it. Uh, we've gotten a whole lot of great reviews on Facebook lately. That's a big deal. Speaking of which, Mike, where can they find us on the Facebooks? Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey. And I'm going to look up right now where our most recent review on the Facebooks came from. This is a slow-running website, so I'm just going to I got you, buddy. slowly talk through it. Go for it, you. Mike. Who is it? Who we got? We got Zach Maynard. My man. Shout out to Zach Maynard. Thanks for the five stars and the review. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, I got to tell you, for a GT grad, you are about as intelligently as I've heard anybody talk about GT football. So thank you for, for joining the podcast. And you're what you're one hell of a hokey, Joey. Hell yeah. Absolutely, I am. Hokey, hokey, hokey. I'm sure there's a chant that goes with that or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, close enough. Uh, yeah, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Come find us, like, and rate, and review, and find the podcast, and do all those good, good things. By the way, DMs are open, so slide up in there if you got anything. Uh, Mike, anything else before we head out of here? Uh, just heads up to Zach Mater. Joey's the GT grad, and I'm the Hokie grad. That's just uh, general PSA. Definitely appreciate the review, though. And I just want to let our, the rest of our listeners in on that inside joke. But, Zach, thanks for listening, man. Seriously. That's... Go- Hey, That's a minor jackets. blip on our radar. We appreciate the listening and the great review. Other than that. Go Jackets. To hell with Georgia. Paul Johnson is my homeboy. Uh, let, let's go. Let's beat Miami. There you go. Uh, I've got Georgia Tech to cover Miami to win. Um, <laughs> got Miami to win. I won't hey, let you no, forget it. I would be thrilled to be wrong and Georgia Tech win the thing outright by 30 points. That would make me – you have no idea how happy that would make Cam, me. Hey, man, Cam's stoked man. about his newest Miami Hurricane fan. He Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he is. 
Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, man. You want to come back and re- recap week seven when we're done? I do, and I promise everybody my audio will be better. Yeah, you'll be back from the road trip, so enjoy San Diego, and uh, look forward to chatting with you when you're back in the home studio. Uh, but we will talk then. Uh, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.